Hello, sir. Hey, how you doing today? I am good, buddy. I'm loving this cool weather. Oh, man. Yeah, I was actually went out running this morning. I, I tried my little sprint in the airport. I realized I wasn't going to have a heart attack um, when taking it up to Sirius X because I just got so slack. And, you know, at this age, man, it falls off fast. Um, but, yeah, perfect weather for it. I mean, so if you're down here, this is this is what we an old tennis pro of mine used to say, called the Chamber of Commerce weather. Yeah, you know, everybody comes down here this time of year from to the end of April. It's just usually gorgeous. Yep. And uh, J- June sets in and you're like, kind of, huh? Good thing we invented air conditioning. <laughs> yeah. Good thing somebody invented air conditioning. But yeah, beautiful, beautiful, man. How's your day going? <laughs> it's going well. Um, yeah, it's just going well. Just, you know, same old, same old. Plowing um, through that honeydew list? Not today. Not today. Um, what's the market doing? Nothing, right? Ah, shit. You know, I barely looked earlier. Um, everybody's waiting on still tomorrow, you know, the CPI print, um, you know, as in uh, 6.5, I think, is the expected number where that's going to fall. I mean, I have no idea. Um, I kind of think that it's probably going to be – well, I don't think it's going to beat it. I'm kind of going – I think Shizzy's saying 6.8. I'm kind of feeling somewhere around 6.5, 6.6. Um, you know, because this stuff gets um, oh. not massaged, but you know the right word. Can you hear me? Uh, euphoric oh, is okay. I can barely hear me. I don't understand. Oh, you know why? Because I'm on the wrong fucking microphone. Friggin. Hold on. Hold on. So I think everything's waiting on that. I mean, I'll pull. I saw some charts earlier, but it didn't look like much was happening. i just been buried since six, so. Let me just do a quick catch up here. Hey guys, can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? Is that any better? Gentlemen, you You still sound good to me, but I guess I'm inside the loop. I don't understand you know, as in. how my mic volume is so low. Dennis said a bit better. Thanks, Dennis. I don't understand why I'm having this problem. My com- Component settings on the computer are set correctly. Get your kids in to figure it out for you. Oh, they're at school. That's right. I don't understand what the fuck is going on. I really don't get it. I don't get it. Uh, Just talk louder. He said barely. It sounds distant. Sheesh. Hey, check. Uh, you know what? Check in uh, StreamYard in the audio settings. Because sometimes I notice, oh, okay, because like I have to always reconnect to a Bluetooth headset separately instead of default. Like, can you select your microphone individually? Test, test, test. test. Hey, perfect. Better. Yeah, that's a lot better. Definitely. Is it? Yeah, Eamon says yes too. Awesome. Okay. There you go. Now am I too loud? No, no, you're perfect, dude. That's the way it used to be. It's not distorted. Not to me. Okay. Beautiful. Thanks, guys. Appreciate the uh, troubleshooting assistance. That's uh, that's uh, fantastic. Thank you, Euphoric. Thank you, Dennis. Thank you, Shizzy. Thank you, Eamon. Thank you, Niblets. <sighs> Niblets, I think Powell has been messing with Brad's mic. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> well, Joe, that was you, you had the right solution. Uh, for some reason, StreamYard, even though it says default to my ATR 2100X, uh, wasn't actually using that mic. Mm-mm. It doesn't go there, I noticed. Because that's the time sometimes up. when I'm in here and, and it doesn't work. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I got to make sure it says Bluetooth headset. Um, <laughs> Avon says. It adds it. <laughs> no more distortion than your normal sign spin on things. <laughs> there you go. There <laughs> you go. Mike was hacked by same team that hit the F- same team that hit the FAA. Yeah, because I am that important. Yeah, you want to stop global commerce in its tracks? Shut Brad's mouth. Everybody knows that. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> now, Joe, we had an assignment today, which oh, I did shit. not do. Uh, we were supposed to find uh, new stuff, new new coins. So what I thought was, since I didn't, we could go into our friend DeFi Llama's raises section and take a look at a few of those. And yeah, I, and I do have a bunch co- of other project news, too. Okay. Well, these are ones that don't have tokens or have a very limited chart to the left. Okay. Uh, he wants limited. He was hoping for limited chart to the left. Uh, let's see. Like just this? did launches recently. Yeah, just ra- did raises or whatever. Uh, or whatever. Mm. Um, whatever got that token out into the market. Yeah. Yeah. So the, these Where are, are tokens. These are recent raises. Um, well, I'll, I'll throw. I mean, aside from the regulars, um, you know, don't forget about you know zero vix. Um, you know, the lending and borrowing or whatever, depositing and borrowing um, I never went uh, back protocol. to that. Shit. Yeah, just, it's worth a look. Uh, again, Team India, so somewhat insulated from U.S. regulatory, you know, ups and downs. Um, but, it, you know, because I've been thinking a lot about how, where is all the yield going to come from <laughs> in the future? And, you know, I'm thinking about how the banks do it, you know, and the bank model is basically, you know, get deposits pay a smaller interest rate than you get for lending that stuff out. Um, And that spread is what pays everything. So that made me start thinking about zero VIX again. And I'm like, well, they kind of have an isolated protocol that just seems to be doing that. So, you know, maybe it bears, you know, watching or thinking through. And then, um, and the other one, again, I've talked about this last week, but I'm still digging in, but it's the, um, you know, it's those X7 guys. And, you know, I dug for got halfway through the white paper. It seems like they're going somewhere and they've got a pretty good marketing presence on on Twitter, it looks like, too. Um, But again, I, you know, developers are I don't think the developers are doxxed, but all communications happen on chain. So you can actually see the dialogues amongst developers. I thought it was pretty interesting. I think the developers in the community would really like that. Um, and I just see a lot of promising stuff there. But again, you know, I don't know the people, um, but, you know, it just seems like, you know, one of those unique next steps. They're very on to decentralize and trust the code, uh, that kind of stuff, um, have some DAO structure. But, you know, those are always have some level of growing pains uh, to getting to the true objective. But, you know, it's one to take a look at, um, yeah, yeah. you know, on top of all the other stuff we talk about. Um you know, what change, Canto, Geist, um, Mona. We don't talk about Mona Vale enough. You know, the digital axe token. It's got a pretty high, it doesn't have, it has a lot of charts to the left though, of course. Um, but it's unique. It's a small float, 50,000. Um, it's 
you know, don't be shy with the price. It's like still like 300 and something, but you know, you don't have to buy a whole one, obviously. And that goes right. to 1200 all the time. So, and it's digital fashion, you know, it's fashion NFTs. And so game five, play to earn, all those things come into effect as well as in real world, world cross marketing, which we say a luxury brand and, you know, deploying an NFT of that brand into a game as an outfit yeah. or device or something. So lots of cool stuff there. Um, I mean, those are just the ones I think. Now, again, you guys know I, I don't have Mona right now, but I've been in it before. I do have Geist. I don't have any X7 right now. Um, I don't have any change right now. I got a tiny bit of Canto. And um, um, what was the other one I was talking about? I don't think Vix. I have a position. Oh, yeah, Zero Vix. I have a very, very small position there. Um, but I, I've been in and out of that platform a few times, but these are all ones that kind of, I think next wave look, they make it or they don't, but yep. that's just a few. I mean, there's another hundred out there. Did you, did you find any there, buddy? So I found, um, I found this yesterday <clears throat> and it wasn't one I was looking for a token for, but they have a token. Um, this was a phantom insider put out this chart of Dex, uh, performance over the last week mm. and look at this. Um, evidently this, uh, we swap launched on January 2nd. It's already surpassed spirit and Beethoven in volume and performance. And at the same time, spooky saw a little decline at the end of the week. I mean, this is just one week of data, but mm -hmm. very interesting, um, that it's already outperforming in, in its first seven days. Um, these two other platforms, I haven't, uh, taken a deep dive into it. Uh, just says it's a swift, simple and sustainable way while having fun and earning. So they have a referral program. Um, I, it looks like a standard swap platform. I assume there's something related to, oh, they're having a raffle. They have a prediction market. Um, so you can do, oh, very similar to, um, what's their name's prediction market? Who was that? Uh, price prediction guys. Um, Polygon. Uh, yeah, what was that called? Dang, darn. So many things in my head right now. Um, Shit. Oh, well. Uh, anyway, so they have prediction market. They've got a referral income capability. Wait, Crystal? Uh, Crystal? No, not or Crystal. Or No. Uh, Indian firm swaps, LP staking. We spent shit tons of time. Define. Define. Yeah, that's it. Define. D-F-Y-N. So yeah. Similar model for that. Uh, they have farming. And um, we go bank. Staking. So, you know... I, for some reason, I'm assuming there's some revenue model here that helps you earn um, tokens. Maybe they had an airdrop promise, um, and you know, they're they're uh, looks they're, like some uh, NFT sales. I see NFT sales. But uh, I'm just kind of amazed at that growth pattern in a week. Do you see like that they're doing NFT sales? I uh, see there was uh, something, a mention of NFTs. I'm assuming there's a way to earn with them. Let me see if it's go under the market tab and you'll see down toward there. You see rare wiggies and NFTs wiggies and gamies. Yeah. Okay. Do so it seems to me mini games and invite your friends with a dedicated earning link to earn up to 50% of new user registration fees. Met your desire yeah. to be NFT and become a resident, a resident on our virtual planets. All right. So they're trying to gamify it a little bit. Pretty interesting. So, you know, that gets the attention, obviously. There's some channels, I mean, where all they talk about are the new kind of gaming NFT plays, and everybody pours in there at the beginning. And I think that's why you see that big, I'm not discounting that 
their quality. I'm just saying that you get that rushed in at the beginning for people. Yeah, collecting exactly. Exactly. Uh, we, Shizzy says Wego has been around for a while. I guess the swaps are new. I, I have huh. no idea. I'd never heard of them, but when they popped up that with that kind of performance, I was pretty impressed. Um, anyway, I, I don't know that there's a ton of value there. It could be short lived, like you say, Joe, but you know, Niblet says all I've got is bonk on Arbitrum. A friend <laughs> seems to be shockingly well there. Uh, I thought bonk was on Solana. I, I don't know. I don't even know of anything yeah. about Bonk. I just saw everybody talking about it the other day on Twitter, but I didn't bother to look at it. So you got news on it. Yeah. Nobody. I kind of got the idea that it was one of those kind of like meme coin things that because everybody's going, oh, and here comes Bonk, which, you know, I guess doesn't really do anything. And I mean, I could be wrong. I'm not trashing it, but I just got the feeling that it was one of those promoted ones um, that, you know, has a more people come in, price go up model. Everybody uh, leave, uh, price a go down. Eamon says, silo finance is truest isolated lending markets. Uh, secure money markets for all crypto assets. Silo is a non-custodial lending protocol to borrow any crypto asset with another. Any crypto asset? That's interesting. I like that. When you deposit in a silo, like you don't share the risk with other tokens in the protocol. Silos can only borrow the bridge asset from each other, keeping the risk isolated to a single silo. Oh, that's fucking awesome. That's that's fantastic. To concentrate liquidity, each token asset gets one silo only. Watch the bridge asset. With the bridge asset connecting all silos, liquidity moves fluidly in the protocol, enabling any collateral token to borrow another. Permissionless, designed to support any token asset on the chain it operates on. Silos share default collateral factors that can be adjusted on a silo level at any time. Damn, what chain is it on currently? Team looks good. What are we What are we on? Let me connect and see if it will tell me. Uh, Ethereum. There you go. Well, some sizable amounts in there deposited for borrowing. That's uh, that's pretty impressive. All right. Uh, Eamon said ETH is the bridge for it. Yeah, that's mm. that's pretty impressive. So the big differentiator is that when you go into the siloed, I guess these are LP type vaults, that your one side of the pairing is, is contained from the other as far as in... Um, vulnerability or corrections or hacks what is that yeah, I, I would assume that's what it means or for cascading issues uh, yeah you know I, I i don't i'm not sure that is pretty cool oh here's the here's the to it. yeah here's a, the video there's a video on the main page saying you know what is it and how does it work i bet it talks about it there um now i'm going to launch the app i think you already did right i just want to see what the rates are Deposit borrow. Well, it looks like you get 14% on balancer. Right. So this. And 5% roughly on aura. I don't know what that is. Uh, so here's the point of this. The idea is, is that in traditional lending protocols like Aave and Compound, because everything is pooled together, 
there's cross risk if one is manipulated, right, with a flash loan, whatever, to fuck with it. And so that's mm -hmm. why Ave and Compound have to limit what tokens are allowed in it. In this case, because everything is siloed, um, there's no cross-contagion risk um, if something gets manipulated. That's awesome. That is really cool. Good find, Eamon. That's fantastic, Eamon. You saved the day today, buddy. I love it. Fucking love it. Niblets, RE yield. If interest, if percent interest on loans, yield paid to lenders, what happens to volume and lenders and lenders leave in search of the higher yields in projects that are still loopable? Question mark? I'm not yeah, sure I, I think that's, question. yeah, I think, um, you know, I think what he's saying is that, um, you know, if someone's in a protocol and they find higher yields somewhere else, you know, what keeps them sticky in that protocol uh, versus switching over to another one where you can do looping and stuff like that. I would say um, nothing. Um, that, well, except it's a you know, you would look, advantage that you have here, right? There you go. So I'm going to say, yeah, it's risk. You know, you're going to have the gambling money, the loopable stuff over here, and then the bulk in something that is more, um, let's just say, less volatile as, a, as, a, as an instrument or a protocol. That's my read. So balancers at 13.94 uh, deposit interest, borrow interest is 40.83%. Holy shit. Yeah, now you see that kind of stuff. I saw Curve on Geist was in kind of a similar dynamic, but they load up all the bonus Geist. So like if you were borrowing FTM, I think I have a loan there with on FTM that's I'm paid like four point something percent to borrow it, but I'm getting like another 10% in bonus tokens. Wow. So I'm getting 6% to borrow. So I suspect that, you know, it's usually that way when they're trying to really flood one side of it, like get more deposits, let's say, and um, at least deter the, the borrows, but at the same time, keep it there so someone will do it. Nice. Um, it's my guess. So I think the same thing's going on with Balancer there. So Ondo Ooh. announced yesterday tokenized treasure, U.S. treasuries and bonds. Uh, I, I've got an interview up with uh, Ondo, um, but essentially they're tokenizing the yield you can get with uh, Treasury and bonds, um, which I think is actually pretty impressive. They already had a fairly uh, impressive system, but um, to add that to it, that could attract a lot of folks uh, who are trying to stay, you know, safe and stable and whatever. So You know what I'd really like to see is also some 10 years on here because – if someone could tokenize 10-year bonds, because, you know, when everybody talks about, oh, the yield curve's inverted or whatever, and everybody goes into panic mode like the sky's falling, um, that just means that, you know, essentially you get more yield for the short-term stuff than, you know, you would for the long-term. So why commit to 10 years versus, you know, one or three? But I was thinking if it was tokenized and there were different, like, lending, I mean, you know, lending – the crypto guys coming out, but lending pools, there'd be big ones <laughs> around that. Then maybe there would be easier ways for people to transition institutionals from short term to long term paper and back out in ways that, you know, allow a better risk balance than either or, you know, which seems to be what they're looking at now. So you could weight it like, oh, 80% in short term, 20% in long term at different sizes. So you don't have, you know, to pick up entire instruments or whatever. Yeah. And small people, you know, the smaller investors could play it too. But yeah, this looks really cool. Yeah, this is, I think this is really smart. 
Um, this can attract people in for the bonds and the treasuries, and then people can come in and also use their other components of their platform. So uh, that's, uh, to me, pretty impressive. Although it looks like they may have changed to be entirely... What does that say? High-quality assets. Our funds invest exclusively into multi-billion dollar highly... I'm sorry, it's just highly below that. exchange-traded yeah. funds, ETFs, managed by the world... There you go. Okay. Managers. So look, I mean, that's as regulated as it gets right there. You know, yeah, totally. uh, BlackRock and, and, and Finco. It's like... Um, that shit's all, you know, that's that's as safe as it's going to get if you're looking for risk-free type yeah. stuff. I mean, I guess you got contract risk there, but I bet they've built something in. Our funds hold all assets at third-party qualified custodians, are regularly audited by Richie May, and receive daily accounting from NAV Consulting. No? I don't know. I don't. I mean, I think Richie May is one of those. It's a bigger firm than the name sounds. Um, that's like, you know, funds are audited by Steve. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I always remember, okay, here's a, a non-crypto one, but you remember Stanford Financial back sure. in, I want to say the 08, 09 timeframe that yep. just got gutted. They actually had the huge building downtown by um, the Intercontinental, um, right next to where related group was HQ'd back then and everything else. Well, you know, when that thing went under and that was, you know, and that was a house of cards, um, you know, the accounting firm was, you know, the address was like this you know, I don't know, garage size building in the back of his yard on his at his dad's house in Texas or something like that. And it was just called something financial. And those guys were turning in audited financials for like a decade. Well, how does somebody not figure that out? Right. You know, how does somebody not look and go, oh, that's in his garage, his dad's garage. Okay. It's not, you know, like an established, you know, like that one, say Richie May, um, I presume to be. Uh, super established, but um, you know, it, it nobody even looked. Yeah. You know, it's kind of like the recent FTX stuff, you know, with Trade Five folk. Nobody looked. Um, back on the lending stuff, Niblet said, "How about compared with projects like OV Zero VIX that pay these lenders more than borrowers, like a bank? This seems to prevent looping, which may scare away lenders who want to loop." Look, I think, I think yeah. this comes down to risk appetite, right? There, there are people <coughs> who are fine with looping. Um, and they're going to go to the places that allow them to do that. Um, what is it? Abracadabra and, and others that are going to let them loop all fucking day long and be on the edge of getting liquidated. I think there's a whole new breed of protocols now um, that will um, allow are looking for being more responsible, being lower risk, right? Attracting traditional finance like obviously ondo folks are are looking for places where people can park large amounts of money from protocol treasuries so that those treasuries can invest their money in a safe and responsible manner so i think all of those things there's just different market segments for it right and if you're doing no looping or no value in looping then you're you're saying to the market look there's plenty of people over there you can go play with we want to be stable we want to be you know, lower returns, lower risk, and that's our model. That's our business model. And I, I think there's an entire market for that. I, I think there's a massive, massive market for that. And it doesn't mean all of TradFi is going to come over, you know, next week and start putting money into these things. But we have treasuries sitting on hundreds of millions of dollars um, out there that need a way to invest it um, that is uh, lower risk than what is currently uh, available in other lending protocols. 
Yeah, and I think the looping at zero VIX is really a function of, um, you know, that it's a new project. And, you know, what you're actually earning, I'm, I'm just going into it real quick because I want to see what does the, Does yeah. zero VIX have looping, like a looping button in it? Uh, no, I don't think it has. You have to do it manually, or at least I was. I think he was but, saying. I think he was saying that that because zero VIX pays lenders more than borrowers, that prevents looping, and that that would make sense, right? They're not paying well, borrowers. Yeah, but if but look here, let me look at like um, let's say I'll pick one, um, Matic X. Okay, so you could deposit Matic X on the platform and get that's a synthetic token from putting it somewhere else. I, I don't remember where. Um, you can earn 1.68% APY, which isn't much, but then you get the VIX APR of 8.97%. So that's a bonus in uh, the VIX token, and it goes into your pre mined reward category. Right. So, you know, I mean, assuming that comes out the same par value you're going in, you know, that represents getting, you know, 11.65%, I think, on the deposit. Now, if you then borrow Matic X, you know, you're paying 5.6%, but you're getting a bonus of 20 point, roughly 5%. Right. So you're, you're basically net 19% up, but you also can go across the one. So you could like go to the highest deposit one. Let's just say it's, uh, let's say it's my, um, you know, which is about 11 point something. It is not actually the highest, but let's say it's that. And then you could basically... Um, borrow my at six, seven, eight, and then 16.97, but you could also borrow something else. Like you could borrow, um, how about, oh, Weath or, you know, wrapped ETH. You pay 3.88, but you get a 23.1% uh, VIX bonus on the, the borrow. So, you know, you can get whatever you park in this protocol and just loop it a couple of times, you know. Um, Makes sense. Yeah, you're getting like 40, 35, 40% net on, on what's there. But, you know, look, looping is dangerous, okay? Um, price go down fast, you know, liquidation comes pretty quickly. Yeah. Um, I don't I don't really, I just did a little bit at the beginning on this looping because I just wanted to generate the rewards. But, you know, I don't typically do that. Yeah. Well, now you got me one to ape in, Joe. I'm going to blame you. If well, I mean, so. but, no, but just remember, you're getting their platform token, Right. And you're getting it, you know, it, I don't know when it, I think it comes out like next month, this month, something like that. Um, and I also watched the supply and the borrow, um, you know, and that, that's been, you know, that's up above where it was before. It was, I remember when it broke 10 million, right. you know, we're looking at what, about 13 million there, it seems like. So, but it's a simple, not simple in a bad way, but simple in a focused way. In that, this is what you would do here. This is where you could borrow. Um, has a lot of good stuff. It doesn't get it all muddied up. But you know, again, I don't know the people. I think we dialogued with them some on social a couple months ago um, when we talked about them. But definitely one to just keep an eye on. I mean, if you buy into the Team India franchise, which I do, um, because of the, all the regulatory environments everywhere else. You know these guys are still building. Yep. So and, and you know they got they got a built-in community of about one and a half billion people yep. that buy buy India or play India first. So right. and if you like a protocol sense. like this, you know you could be stacking up that VIX token, sell some off for some extra profits, and stack up the token. 
um, and uh, wait for the wait for a bull run back up again. Now, of course, you know when they're printing tokens, you know you've got to worry about people dumping those <clears throat> and price pressure. Um, so that's been kind of the on the liquidity mining side the problem. But um, you yeah. know there are probably people that are stacking this as well because these guys are executing. So anyway, we'll see what happens. And it has a lot of the guys in there, like that you see. There's some Polygon people in there, the original Polygon crew, and there's a one, a couple of the VCs that were in Polygon, and you know Define and Router, and all of those. I mean, there's a bunch of India plays, but the ones that are to the forefront of my mind. So it seems like it's a pretty connected group as well. <clears throat> Joe, you sent this over. Crypto.com is delisting USDT for uh, Canadian uh, traders. Yeah, I was surprised because they're um, applying for a license yeah. in Canada. So they're, you know, just going to delist it to get the license. But I was kind of, I guess, Canada, you know, from a regulatory standpoint, um, you know, it's kind of putting the brakes on Tether for whatever reason. Yep. Now, I don't know if that's because they want to get the, you know, USDC running exclusively on that platform or if it's just a, a Tether issue in their mind. I mean, I would like to know what it is because my understanding is Tether's 100% backed by U.S. Treasuries now. Yeah, exactly. It's not even commercial paper. So, yeah, so if anybody has any more info, I'd love to know. Maybe it. it's just lingering bureaucracy that hasn't updated since they changed what their backing is. That could be it. You know, he said, Niblet said, how about compared with projects like Zero VX that pays? Oh, wait. Where you got that one? Where you did that one? Oh, this was the other one. How do you know your auditor isn't a dog on the internet? <laughs> that sounds like the that sounds like the lead into a joke. What's what's the punchline? <clears throat> um, an auditor, a dog, and a priest walk into a bar. <laughs> <laughs> There's an orangutan in a cage behind the bar. <laughs> uh, this was an interesting headline. This tantalizing end of it. Voyager gets initial approval for $1 billion Binance deal amid national security concerns. What the fuck are the national security concerns? I think it's something to do with Cepheus probably. Is my, I haven't read the article, but I'm guessing it's Cepheus, you know, which was kind of a, a law or a rule about foreign investment in the U.S., but then it was pretty much ignored for like 20 years until or forever until the um, – I think it was a Dubai World Ports deal maybe in – the aughts or something like that, or 2010, that got shut down. And, and now it's been revitalized over the last couple of years. So there it is. This is Cepheus. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, that, so you know, the, you the got concern about foreign ownership. Yeah. Right? So trying to block Chinese buying, but they're going to have a hard time. Uh, I would assume Binance US has the, the equity structure pretty buttoned up for this deal. Yeah, I mean, the one thing I was thinking about um, – uh, was that kind of also tells me that the U.S. looked at that source of uh, funds issue there. Like, where is the money coming from to execute the Voyager deal? And so since it didn't get blocked at that level, it tells me that, you know, there's, oh, wow, just 51%. Wow. Yeah. But it tells me that they didn't have concerns on that front, which is or right. at least not enough to stop it. So I looked at it as a positive. Right. No, but again, you know, you got to remember Binance was founded in Shanghai. And when you found a company in China, you have to give up a percentage to the government. Okay. The 3% Guangxi Corporation, as I call it, it's local state and everybody, it's not like one person. Um, it's just the norm. Everybody does it. So how that happened when, what happened when crypto was banned in China or when 
Um, Binance headed out of China. Um, I guess I know they ended up in Malta, but um, the question is how much China money went with it and how much uh, China government money, let's say, or elite money is in uh, Binance right now. I would say probably quite a bit. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing, but I'm just saying that's yeah. what gets CFIUS there digging well, that's in. What it says um, Washington has increase, increasingly used CFIUS to stymie Chinese investment in the United States. Um, but CZ is Chinese born, but he's a Canadian citizen. So, yeah. You know, um, but it's all the rest if, of it. If it does get blocked, Voyager will be forced to repay customers with the crypto it has on hand, resulting in a lower payout for Voyager users. Yeah, I mean, there you go. That's that's great PR right there. I mean, that's the way you do PR, um, CAM and SPF and all that shit. Because saying that, just say, oh, by this idea, if it doesn't go through, the Voyager customers won't get 51%, they'll get 5%. And you leave it at that and let the market, let every pissed off investor go, wait, we got to make sure this deal goes through. And they start calling their congressman. Yep. But you're not like sitting there looking like a whiny a uh, weak person um, with these crazy open letters, you just basically planted the seed and understood that human nature will cause people to react to it. Yep. Um, that's PR. Yep, absolutely. So Niblets brings up a, a topic of news, and I I think this is fucking brilliant, frankly. Um, Microsoft buying, uh, he said 40%, I believe it's 49% for $10 billion. Um, dollars of OpenAI, the builders of ChatGPT. I'm a big, I'm big, bigly excited about AI. Bigly excited about what's possible. I'm using the fuck out of ChatGPT and their uh, Codex platform. Uh, fucking oh. love it. Uh, if I had the time, I would spend all day exploring what I can and can't do with it. Um, I read an analysis the other day at Stratchery, which was really excellent about who in the big five tech companies benefits the most from AI technologies and or what they each benefit from it and where they both all stand and why it's powerful. And they summarized um, really nicely the value to Microsoft. First of all, Microsoft already hosts um, all the GPU servers for OpenAI. So they already had um, some form of investment with that as well as revenue. But the other thing to remember is they're already using um, they're already using uh, AI technology in their platforms. Bing has a Bing has an image generator uh, uh, platform. They have a new video uh, generation tool called Volley that they've deployed that Microsoft's team has deployed. They um, have in um, GitHub their platform that they that they own. They have. Um, and VS Code, they've integrated Copilot, which is a coding uh, AI platform uh, that makes use of data and information from existing code on uh, GitHub uh, resources, which allows people to review code, uh, improve code, create functions, et cetera. I think that um, despite the fact that Google has a massive investment in AI um, and paid $600 million for Mind, blah, 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 whatever it's called, I think that Microsoft is incredibly well positioned for this. And one of the points that uh, Ben Thompson at Stratchery makes about, about this is that Bing is so far behind Google. Um, and the problem for Google with AI search technology, the problem for them is, is that if they do AI search technology, that means that the answers become even better 
reducing exposure to the ads, which is a significantly negative impact on Google's business model. Whereas Microsoft is so far behind in search that they don't give a shit. They have all of the revenue they have from their existing platforms. OpenAI is going to be integrated with Microsoft Outlook for email stuff. It's going to be integrated with Microsoft Word, Microsoft Excel, PowerPoint. Um, all of those things boost the sales of Microsoft Office products. And then also it allows um, for Bing to become a search engine that's AI-based and outperform Google in terms of results. And so that can do significant damage to Google's ad revenue. I mean, if people start to see that Bing is producing far superior results based on AI, um, people are going to be more likely to migrate there instead of wandering through all the fucking ads that, that Google posts up. So I actually think there's a brilliant move by Microsoft. Makes total sense. They're already hosting the infrastructure. It does a massive amounts to boost everything they own. GitHub, all of the Office suite, everything else. So I, I love it. I absolutely love it. I, I think it's brilliant. Niblet well, said... What do you say? I just spent nearly a month trying to migrate to an all MSIT platform. It has been a complete clusterfuck. I'm about to give up and use Google or all open source. Is this the AI, is this AI's future under MS? Um, I don't know. I haven't been a Microsoft Office user for a very long time. I have used Outlook, uh, Outlook periodically on iOS and the Mac on, on occasion. Uh, I liked where that product was going, but I haven't probably used it in about a year and a half, two years. Um, but... I do think that for the exacting, you know, cons the current install base that they already have, that they are in very good shape to add OpenAI to it. Uh, Eamon says, love Copilot, but it has some sketchy legal ramifications since it trains on all code on GitHub regardless of a license and can cause out copyright issues. I saw as well that there was actually some code being exposed in ChatGPT or Copilot um, that's supposed to be private. Um, and I think obviously they're going to have to just address that and not expose code that's copyrighted or owned by somebody else. But the, the, the question becomes, I think Eamon's getting at is it's very difficult. It, even if they make it so that it's not copying code exactly from repositories that are, that are copyrighted, it can learn from those repositories, right? So it can learn techniques and capabilities that can then be applied to other people's code. And I don't know what the courts do with something like that, where it's like you're learning skills and techniques for coding or structuring code or how to write code or position code, but you're not actually copying the code. What What are the ramifications legally for code that's copyrighted that may have uh, interesting techniques? So, um, mm. Shizzy said, it'll be really cool if Microsoft puts ChatGPT into MPCs, non-play. Oh, yeah, that'd be fucking brilliant. Actually, that's a great play. Not to mention Minecraft, all kinds of shit in Minecraft now. Um, think about using AI to build your world. Yeah. Right? You just plug in, hey, I want X terrain in mountains, X terrain in this. I want this many. I mean, there's just so many possibilities there. I love that, Shizzy. Brilliant. Uh, Mr. Mucciali said, I've never understood why... <laughs> I've never understood why more people don't use Linux. Uh, I will tell you, I have used Linux off and on over the years. It always comes down to interface, drivers, um, and applications. And so, I, you know, the bottom line is most of the applications on Linux are garbage. Um, some are uh, excellent and do well. But from a UI UX perspective, um, from my perspective, nothing beats uh, the apps that are available on Macs. And 
Um, I think that even apps available on Microsoft uh, Windows are superior to the basic apps that are available in Linux. It's gotten much better over the years. There are, are a lot better iOS uh, Linux distributions like Elementary that are trying to make it much easier to use for average people. Um, and there are a lot of schools that are implementing Linux um, because it's cheaper with some of the interfaces like mm -hmm. elementaries uh, and Ubuntu, et cetera, that make it easier and faster. It also is good for schools because it allows, uh, there are lightweight um, Linux distributions that allow for using old used hardware. Um, and those are also great. But ultimately, wow. there's an entire user experience problem for people using Linux. And frankly, uh, it's still not up to speed with with you know, truly modern invested operating systems like Mac OS and, and um, Microsoft Windows. So, and I'm certainly biased to uh, uh, Mac. Eamon says it does copy paste. Oh, wait, Eamon said, sometimes you can be typing a right author and it will fill in someone's name. Oh, that's interesting. He says it does copy paste sometimes. Uh, Nibble says my enterprise clients are all on MS. Yeah, absolutely. And Nibble says, so it will make collaboration easier. Oh, that makes sense. Nibble says Linux for your dedicated crypto box, though. Yeah, you could do a Linux box for just your wallet, mm -hmm. right? That's hardware connected, air gapped, all of that. Um, that makes a lot of sense. You get a lot more security, a lot less likely to hit be hit with malware. That's one of the benefits of obviously Linux. Uh, Euphoric points out that Android is Linux. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I've actually even played with some Android distributions that are for desktop that allow you to store Android applications. But of course, Mac OS has that for iOS apps now. So uh, I get the same apps on my desktop that I have on my phone and my iPad, which is awesome. Um, anyway, didn't well, need to go the other thing that I was gonna... that topic. Oh, no, it was good. It was good. Um, the other thing is with all the other big tech choices, I, I, I have to say I'm glad it's Microsoft taking a lead here just because... Yeah. I mean, they were the evil empire back in the 90s, but when you compare it to everybody else, they're like the only ones that are committed to data privacy and um, issues like that and no data mining, you know, no reusing user data, all of that stuff. Um, so I like that. And I like their international focus, which instead of just a U.S. centric focus. Well, I would say that uh, in the privacy category, Apple superior to all everybody in the space, um, except for Linux distributions that are privacy focused, like the Tor based distributions, et cetera. But I agree with you that Windows is a much better player. The other thing that's that's been fantastically smart about about Microsoft's moves has been supporting open source. Right. Like yeah. they have really invested heavily in open source. They're using components of the Linux kernel and, and are available now in windows um so there's all kinds of really cool shit that um microsoft's doing that has really put them in the best position for this i would love to have seen apple have a license for this as well and that may still be part of it just because microsoft owns 49 percent doesn't mean open ai can't license to anybody they damn well choose so yeah. i can also envision something that i think is is very likely. And that is an OS that gets rid of all of the traditional interfaces that we're, we're used to, right? And I, that, by that, I mean task-based OSs. Um, so if you have an artificial intelligence that can do things like data crunching and writing and production of video and audio and graphics, but you don't have to interact with that interface beyond saying, hey, Make create it. for me A, B, C, and D, then all of the shit that makes um, using an operating system more difficult can go away, right? And it also opens the door to voice-based interfaces um, that don't require interaction in any way, shape, or form uh, with a keyboard or a mouse, right? I mean, the, the, it, it, it can take us on a trajectory far beyond where we've been. So I really hope 
that Microsoft's going to take advantage of it for a deep integration into Windows. Because if anything yeah, would give yeah. me uh, thoughts about switching, uh, that ability would be fantastic. So that's a um, pretty interesting point, Brad. Because um, you know we always talk about what's the next you know interface to be and where does where does it go? You know, as far as you know, I talk about the texting and you know manual inputs of stuff, and so people do voice and things. But maybe what the real ish, real solution is that it stays the same as whatever way you're comfortable with, right. but that you have your AI doing all the heavy lifting and doing everything over there that you don't even have to think about. It's just right. giving you output to yep. action on. Yep. Um, maybe that's where it goes. Instead of like, you know, the heads up displays and, you know, all of those like fighter jet cockpit theories and stuff like that, this all of a sudden just does it automatically. And that's exactly. more like a valet than yep. a, um, assistance. Yeah, it, it, it operates on voice commands. It operates on typing commands, however you want to interact. I could see an interface that is simply just a box on the screen. And you type in the commands or you speak the commands, and then it produces what you need, right? Yeah. And all of the engines, all of the functionality lies underneath, away from the user's experience. The user doesn't have to bother with learning how something works. You no longer have to understand how to do formulas in an Excel spreadsheet. You no longer understand how to manipulate data in a database. You don't have to understand how to format graphics that, that fit white space dimensions that should be in any good way. Yeah. You don't have to learn any of that. You just tell it what you want, and then over time, if the AI is learning from you as a user, as opposed to, you know, generically, then that becomes an operating system that does what you want it to do, right? And, and predicts what you're going to want, right? And then at some point, it knows that you will be doing these kinds of communications and this kind of creation on this particular schedule. And it can even remind you that you've not done things. So I, I yeah. think a lot of our expectation for computing devices can change dramatically. Well, you know, a good example is that, you know, just I was messing around and, and, you know, I was traveling over the holidays with, you know, Netflix. And I noticed that, you know, now they're doing, I mean, they've been doing it for a while. I just never did it, but the, you know, they just start downloading shit into my devices that they think I might like. Right. And, you know, but not like the link or not like, hey, check this out. I mean, you're opening up on the plane going, shit, I forgot to download anything. And then you look and it's already done. 12 it hours, yeah. 12 hours of content just sitting Absolutely. there saying, hey, what do you want? Yeah. So I was thinking of that. And I was also thinking about when, you know, I've been redoing a tennis uh, demo reel for my daughter. And wouldn't it be great to just say, hey, go through all the tennis clips and put together a demo reel for me and date the front this and pull in those childhood pictures too and put those at the front and the back. And then it runs through like four or five things or shows you one. And you're like, yeah, no, move that picture to the front and the back and, you know, find those clips from that tournament back in April in Boca and put yep. those in there. Just give me some yep. serves and some overheads. Yep. And it would do all that. I mean, that's yep. what it does, right? Okay. Yeah, that's where it's getting to. I mean, that that's we're not we're very close to that. Like the other thing is it can it can track your social profile for you. So, hey, mm -hmm. I, I want to put together, you know, my favorite photos and videos over the last year. You know, boom, it's done. And 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 you've not had to do a thing. I mean, uh, there's just so many possibilities. Oh, yeah. Niblitz, is, Niblitz is also thinking about the falling in love with your AI factor because uh, he's referencing her starring Joaquin Phoenix. So. Uh, also a very interesting movie, by the way. <clears throat> um, yeah, I guess that would be a frictionless experience. Right? <laughs> <laughs> but Niblitz, thank you for bringing up that topic. Yeah, As very I get cool. excited talking about this, um, Joe, it brings me back to uh, something I've been thinking about personally, which is um, 
you know, I, I really love the tech side of things. Um, for me, those are the deepest dives. Uh, yeah. and, um, so I'm going to start trying to incorporate a little bit more of that into what I'm doing. Cause, uh, uh, if you couldn't tell, I got, uh, a little bit, uh, uh, excited talking about that. So, yeah, no, I mean, it's that fire hose of new data, new concepts. Um, yep. you know, you have to have a curiosity to learn. And when we see stuff like this, we're like, wow, this is the stuff that could kind of combine all the clunkiness that we always have to deal with yep. and just give us output that we then say, yay or nay. Yep. And, and then it automates. So I'm thinking like, like you were saying social earlier. I mean, she's, what if it, I mean, could run the Twitter, you know, social for you. I mean, that's a very easy thing for it. Um, and just pulling content. It's like, Oh yeah, I read pull. Uh, yeah. That's oh, how about CPI print, get a couple of stories and tweets ready to go for tomorrow, depending upon yeah. if it's below or above yeah. <laughs> or on it. Yeah. And yeah, here's here my opinion tweets on, on those that. things. Here's my opinion yeah. on those things. And now here's the interesting thing, right? It's what I keep saying over and over again. I talk about the, when the, when the marketing AI is, is marketing to the buying AI for corporations mm -hmm. or whatever, or we have our own buying AI that goes out and looks for a ship for us. We reach a point <clears throat> where, uh, where I think there's a massive change for humanity at, at some point, because at some point when the AI is doing almost everything, we as humans then stop and have to think about what we, how we exist and how we interact as humans. I actually think that it could actually push us more into in-person interactions um, because so much becomes mm -hmm. automated. And I think it also makes a lot of things irrelevant at some point, right? Screen uh, time, so screen yeah, time goes way down. It's going to be really interesting. The, uh, the, you know, the other side of that is, and uh, that I talk about a lot is also is that DeFi in combination with AI um, could fundamentally change the nature of money. Number one, we're going to be automating away a lot of jobs. Um, and, and that's going to happen sooner than later. Um, but number two, our relationship to money is going to become very virtual and it's also going to become nebulous, right? And I think there is a point in the distant future where um, the meaning, um, what money means and its value to us changes pretty dramatically. And, and I think DeFi and AI together are going to result in some significant changes in the, in the planet. So, um, yeah. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, interesting article I read the other day. Kids are, uh, kids and celebrities are gravitating to old digital cameras, um, which tells me there's a hunger for kind of some simplicity and traditional stuff for kids in their teens and tw early twenties, um, because they actually are loving the fact that the photos that are less, uh, less beautiful, less uh, intense, less manipulatable. Um, and I'm wondering if we're on the verge of a pullback uh, a bit from digital interactions and social interactions and more uh, in-person interactions, more orientation to things like camping and doing things in nature and that kind of stuff. I'm wondering if we're about to hit one of those waves where that shit peaks and we start to see uh, more real world shit happening uh, amongst younger people. Um, just really yeah. interesting to see that. Most of the data shows that they are driving towards real world experiences because they've yeah. been on screens their entire lives. I mean, I don't know if you follow it about four years, five years ago, there was a big movement to the Polaroid cameras um, by the same groups. Yep. And then yep. they just went to the digital cameras 
Um, but, you know, you have to focus and do things like that. Like we used to have to do with the old film based uh, SLR cameras. Yep. So, you know, the next step I asked, my daughter got a camera like that over the holidays. And I said, oh, you got a camera? Her mom bought it for her. I said, oh, well, so you want me to show you how to develop film and stuff like that? You know, I used to do that when I was younger. And, and she's like, what do you, develop what? <laughs> and I'm like, you got a 35 millimeter, right? And you know, develop film. You know, there's all kinds of cool things you can do with that that change the way the picture looks. And she's like, no, no, it's not that kind of camera. It's still digital, but we have to do everything else. And I said... Well, once you do that, you're probably going to want to check this other thing out, too, because it takes in everything from like, you know, not just lenses, but focal points and shutter speed, and all those types of things and lighting and things that you just they're totally different. And when you shoot in black and white, that's when it gets really fun. Yeah. Um, and then the developing room, uh, how you do that, there's very specific techniques that make it darker, lighter, wash it finer, whatever that you use to create your art. Versus, I mean, I love the phone pictures too, but like you said, it's not really, um, I don't know if I want to get that controversial, but I'd say it's, I'm going to call it not as much art as if you're doing it with your own hands. Yeah. Um, it's well, still art though. One of the things in the, one of the things in the article that the interview, the people being interviewed said was, <clears throat> um, when I take pictures with my phone, I don't think about it. And I rarely go back to look very often at them. When I take pictures with the camera, that means it's a special occasion and everyone knows mm -hmm. that if I pull out the digital camera, this is one of those things I want to remember and keep and it's important. Uh, so that was interesting. Very interesting. That is super says, cool. This change is what crypto is doing in economics where it's not your account that is digital, but your actual money is digital. And when most of the services you buy are also digital, well, that's going to be different. Yeah, look, I mean, we're also going to have um, we're also going to have manufacturing moving out local and moving in the home to some extent for a lot of things as that improves and processes speed up in the 3D printing world. The, the world is going to dramatically change. Joe, we have a lot more tabs open, but it's 1255, my friend. We will save them for tomorrow. Yes. Thank you, everyone, for your patience listening to me ramble on about my opinions on tech. We would love to hear your opinions on tech and where it's going. If you think I'm a complete idiot, I'm always open to that possibility. Um, <laughs> Uh, thank you for watching and listening. Thank you for participating. Niblets, Euphoric, Amen, Mr. Muccioli. Uh, who else was here? Dennis, Aniet, Kabir, thanks for joining us. I hope you're legit. Uh, you look a little spammy, but we'll see how you do. Um, Shizzy, did I miss anybody, Joe? I think that's everybody. Thank you so much for participating. We love and appreciate you. If you're watching on Apple Podcasts, please rate and review us there. Helps us a lot. Same with Spotify. If you're watching on YouTube, please smash the thumbs up for Joe. And uh, make sure you're subscribed and click the alerts button so you get alerted when new episodes come out. Uh, we love and appreciate all of you that listen and watch. And please tell your friends about us on your favorite social network. Uh, it helps us as well. Joe, I hope you have a great afternoon. Yeah, you too, buddy. Um, stay safe. And again, remember, anything we talk about here is not financial advice. It's just yes. another data stream for you to input into your thought making or decision making process. Yeah. So hopefully uh, our little said, bit helps. Great chase goes, guys. Great show, guys. Thank you. And Niblet said more shallow left manana. Okay. And listen, you guys bring some tokens for shallow left as well. Yeah, absolutely. Not All right, guys. Have advice. a great day. Bye, guys. Take care.